I think the first thing for anyone is knowing who you're talking to. And again, that's marketing generally. So who are you talking to and why and how are you going to help them? So understanding your ideal customers, your ideal clients. Hello, and welcome to the Making Mommy Move show. This is your host, Alyssa Morton, and I am a mom of two, wife, event floral designer, serial entrepreneur, and becoming increasingly aware of the power of mindset. I am so happy and thankful that you're here. I am on a mission to help empower moms to create a lifestyle of wealth, health, fulfillment, and happiness so that you can become the very best version of yourself and create a life that you love. Every week, I am bringing you along the journey with me as I overcome the barriers of limiting mindsets and create financial freedom for my family by sharing stories, strategies, and tips that I am learning daily through my life as a mompreneur. I hope that you will join the journey with me to create a life that you love too. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited that you guys are back on the show. We're so happy to have you here. Today, I've got a really special guest. Her name is Aisha, and she is a wealth of knowledge that I can't wait to share with you. I'm going to let her introduce herself so that you can get to know her too. Thank you, Liz. Hi, everybody. I'm Aisha Murray. I'm in London at the moment. So afternoon for me, morning for you. And I am a mum of two. So my daughter's 12 and seven. And I essentially found myself a few years ago as, well, lots of us do, burnt out, stressed, angry mum, feeling guilty that I wasn't being present for my kids and my family, and then feeling guilty that I wasn't working in the right way or doing the right things that my employer wanted. So I made a big life decision a few years ago and decided to quit marketing after 23 years and retrain as a coach. So I now coach career coaching and work-life balance coaching for working parents. So absolutely your audience list. Oh, I love it. I think everyone's going to have so much information that they're going to take from this interview and I'm so excited for it. So let's dive into how you started your business. You said that you were really burnt out. Tell us a little bit about what you were feeling. Yeah, so I think a very common issue, um, I would say maybe is it more for mums more for, than for dads? I don't know. But certainly in my experience, a lot of the mums I've found, we don't have a linear career. We have, I suppose, gaps in our career when we have kids. So we have a career potentially that we kind of think is the right path and it seems like it's the right direction. Then we might have our first child or not even even pre-children, thinking about having a family actually can cause quite a lot of conflict within our own minds. So I was in that space where I'd had child one and was already feeling that something wasn't quite working. And in the UK, childcare costs are astronomical. So you end up basically working to pay for nursery or for daycare, which you just think, "Mm, not sure that's going to work for the next 25 years. So that was one factor. And I just felt torn. I felt really torn between my personal home life, my kids, my husband, and what I was supposed to be at work and sort of career woman I was supposed to be. So I then went through a bit of a tumultuous time. I had coaching then, so about 10, 12 years ago, actually. Then carried on because quite often we just carry on because we think that's what we're supposed to do. I then had child two, daughter number two, who's now seven. And that was the sort of the nail in the coffin for me, really. I started to really feel that something had to change and something wasn't right. So I spent a quite a long time. I think my biggest piece of advice from that point is it doesn't have to be an overnight change. And it probably shouldn't be an overnight change. It takes a long time to consider what's right for you, your options, what your own reality is, what's going to work for you and your family. I did a lot of research, more coaching, just a lot of thought really, but reflection about what I really wanted from my life and what my purpose should be. And I came to the realization that coaching was going to be my purpose and my passions. I love talking to people. I love helping people. I had a lot of experience to share. 
And um, so I went through a research, looked at my finances very importantly, and decided just to go for it about three and a half years ago now, and then launched my business three years ago. That's amazing. So tell everybody what your business is called and all that. <laughs> all that stuff. Okay. So it's Aisha Murray Coaching. And it's very much Aisha Murray Coaching for working parents. So that's absolutely my niche. Or I think you say niche in America, not niche. <laughs> and that is because that's who I was. My clients are who I was five, six, seven, eight years ago. So I have been there and I've been through the ups and downs, the joys and the pains of being a working parent. So I do a lot of one-to-one coaching, probably 95% working mums, but I do have some dads in there, which is good. And then I do quite a lot of, co- of corporate work as well, so, which is great. So in the UK, certainly the big organisations and big corporates are taking their, I suppose, their employee well-being and their parental well-being much more seriously. So they're putting real probably structured programmes in place for their employees to give them the support they need at all different stages of being a parent, whether it's pre-parenthood, early parenthood, later parenthood. Um, and that's coming across a lot more now in the UK, which is great. So I do quite a lot of work with them, running workshops and that kind of thing for their teams. Wow, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit of what you were feeling when you started your business. Like, I know that a lot of us go through some mom guilt feelings. We go through the stress of starting a business. We want to hear all about that. So I think the biggest takeaway from it was I was quite naive. So I assumed, because I had a long marketing career and a successful marketing career, I assumed that I would open my coaching business and I'd have a long line of people ready to be, you know, take up my coaching offer, knocking at my door. And that absolutely didn't happen. And I think that was probably the biggest shock for me and the biggest reality check for me was, oh, hold on a minute. What am I going to do? I've got no clients and I'm not making any money. And I thought it was just going to, you know, appear like magic as soon as I switched on my business. And that's something I've heard from a lot of fellow business owners that that just doesn't happen. And, you know, obviously, I was saying the same from the film, if you build it, they will come. If you build it, they won't come <laughs> unless you tell them about it. So I think my biggest, biggest learning was actually marketing myself was way harder than I appreciated it would be. Um, marketing for a corporate was quite different, but marketing my, for me, my own personal brand is quite it's tough because you've got to put yourself out there. You know, you've got to be honest and vulnerable and authentic and all those kind of things. And I did struggle with that for quite a while at the beginning. So what is something that you've learned like through the marketing aspect? Because I think everyone would love to hear that. If you have any tips or strategies or anything that you can share so that if they're starting their business, the best way to put themselves out there. I think you're a great example. So the marketing you do is absolutely, you know, the the, the channels you use and the structure you have behind it and the, the rationale and the sort of... Yeah, the functionality behind it is great. And you need that. You do need to embrace technology these days and kind of get on board with the various things that are are there. What's the first thing you do when you want to find a service near you? You search the company's website, right? Mama Media is a talented website and brand design company that truly creates customizable websites for professionals. They have a ton of valuable resources and connections that help you create compelling copy for your website, take beautiful branded photos that complement the website design, and support after your design intensives complete so that anything can be adjusted to best suit your business needs as it continues to evolve and change. List Mommy Moves as your referral when you submit an inquiry at mamamedia.org and receive 10% off your website intensive. I think the first thing for anyone is knowing who you're talking to. And again, that's marketing generally. So who are you talking to and why and how are you going to help them? So understanding your ideal customers, your ideal clients in absolute detail. And I spent weeks and weeks writing my persona of the person I wanted to coach. 
right down to the things they ate for dinner and where they went on holiday and what they wore and everything. So I could really, I could visualize this person in front of me. So then every piece of marketing I then did and now do, I'm talking directly to that person. I think I named her Sophie, plucked a name out of the air. So everything I write now is for Sophie. So understanding that Sophie's a working mum who is struggling with work and career and work-life balance. So when I write my posts or do videos or or do podcasts, whatever it is, I think, what does Sophie need to hear from me? What value can I add to Sophie? And what challenges she got that I can help her with? So I think that is the biggest, biggest thing for me is knowing exactly who I'm talking to and where they hang out. Because oh, that's the key one is where they hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I found it, I don't know if you did at the beginning, I found it so overwhelming and I still do. The amount of channels that now exist, and I'm a bit older. So when I, I'm in my late, well, mid to late forties. So when I was at uni, university, I didn't even have a computer. Literally, I had a word processor with a green screen on it. <laughs> so having to now embrace every possible channel that you should, and the word should is very important there. You don't actually need to. I think it's finding where you feel most comfortable, understanding where your client is hanging out. And my clients, I tried TikTok for a bit a few weeks ago, but my clients aren't on TikTok, really. Um, They are absolutely on LinkedIn, 100%. And they are probably more on Instagram than they are Facebook nowadays. So it's where do you concentrate your efforts and what do you learn about and embrace and which ones actually decide decide not to get involved with because it's not efficient use of your time. Totally agree. I love that you identified exactly where they are because one, you're able to be more strategic in your marketing and know that you're talking to the right people. And two, like you have more time because it's so much time creating the TikToks and the reels and YouTube and all of the things. I've actually just been like really trying to crack down on where I'm at because I started on pretty much everything. And now I'm like, okay, let's analyze those analytics and see exactly Mm -hmm. where I'm getting the most traction. I'm finding like YouTube's actually the best right now. Okay. Oh. Interesting. Cause I didn't expect it. And I'm finding like TikTok is really difficult. So I'm like, maybe that's something that I phase out. <laughs> I love that you sharing that with us. Yeah. I think also, to, I mean, YouTube's a, a good example because if you're not comfortable on camera, mm-hmm. then maybe don't bother with YouTube because you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you don't feel comfortable. You're outside of your comfort zone, which could be a good thing because you might actually learn to do it and feel get more confidence around it ultimately. But initially, for sure, just stick to the places you're comfortable. Stick to the kind of content you're comfortable writing because I think the first thing is just get out there in some way. Just be visible and be consistent. And if that's not YouTube, because that's not for you, then don't worry about it yet. Maybe later. Mm-hmm. But just find the channel or two where you know you can be consistent and commit to the journey. And I think, again, it's that guilt, isn't it? Don't feel guilty about not being on everything. And don't feel that you're, you know, you shouldn't compare yourself to everybody else. So if someone else, there are tons of coaches on Instagram, for example. And at the beginning, I really did compare myself. I thought, God, they're doing reels every day. They're, you know, I should be doing that. But I didn't want to. And then it's taken me a couple of years (laughs) to realize I don't need to. No, you sound like you've got an excellent business running and you don't need to (laughs) because you're already attracting the people that you want to work with. So... Yeah. And I think that's probably the next point actually is about the business I'm running. It, again, it's taken me a couple of years that my business model is unique to me. Mm-hmm. And the way I run my business is unique to me. And it's it works with my values and the kind of life I want to lead and the flexibility I want, all those kind of things. But that might not work for you or for 
someone else. So it's, again, it's trying to avoid that comparison and think, actually, what do I, how do I want to run my business? What am I offering? What are the products that I want to offer? And am I happy with that? Can I, you know, can I live with that? And like, am I passionate about, about it? And then just sticking to your guns on it. I think that's the thing. Stick to your guns, do what's right for you and try it's hard. Try not to allow yourself <laughs> to get distracted by all the noise and all the business gurus telling you what you should be doing. Just try and be true to yourself. That's a really good point because I know I find it really difficult sometimes to not get distracted or compare myself to other people and where they're at in their journey. So what advice do you give to stay in your lane and just focus on your end goal? Because it can be really difficult, especially with Instagram and all the things out there right now. Yeah. And I think also it's important as to put sort of working mum hat on as well, because I think when we have kids, our values change, our priorities change, the, you know, what we need from our lives and from yeah, from everything changes. So I think the first thing is maybe to go back a bit and think actually, and even if you're not a parent, actually, whatever situation you're in, just reflect on, do I understand what my values are? Do I understand what I stand for? The kind of life I want to lead, the kind of business I want to run, the kind of value I want to give to people. Do I understand all that? Am I really confident and grounded in that? I think that's the first thing. I think without that foundation and that really sort of being centred, it's then quite hard to build on top of that. It's a bit sort of shaky ground otherwise. So I think that's the first thing is just understanding who you are, what you stand for, and why you're doing what you're doing. And then the comparisonitis bit and trying not to get <laughs> afflicted by comparison. I think, again, just having a really clear vision for your business. Yes. On paper. Mm-hmm. And I suppose potentially it's the kind of boring bit at the beginning where you think, oh, but I just want to launch this amazing business. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be exciting. But actually you need to do the sort of admin and the business strategy and the planning initially, because that gives you your direction. And then you have really clear goals and objectives for you, for yourself and for your business. So then if anything comes along, the shiny objects come along or the comparison comes along and you think, oh, actually, maybe I should go over this way because that's, you know, someone else is doing that. You can then say, hold on a minute. Does that match? Does that align to the plan I've got. And I've got a whiteboard on my wall there with all of my key objectives and my goals. So if something comes up, I think, oh, maybe I should do that. I look at my whiteboard. And I think, mm, no, actually, it doesn't fit with anything on that on that board. Or it does. And if it does, fine, I can investigate it further. Mm-hmm. But I think if you haven't got it in writing, clear in your own mind, it's very, very easily then to go off on a tangent. Very very, very difficult, very easy to do that. I love that. That's a really key piece because that's something I actually just did yesterday is like realign myself with why I'm doing what I'm doing and the direction that we're going because it's so easy to get distracted, like you just said. And if you don't have it clearly written down, it's easy to just say like, oh, maybe I should just let this one slide and try this instead. And it's like, you need to have more time to be able to compare what you're doing and actually see if it's working. Because yeah might not feel the day-to-day changes going on in your life or feel like you've made any progress. But when you look back on your timeline and like, oh, I started this in January, I'm almost done with this. And look how much I've grown in this time and the business that I've had and how much money I brought in or whatever you want to compare it to. You're just able to see the results that way. Yeah, which is really important, actually. It's something I talk to a lot about with um, with my clients is tracking and measuring your success mm-hmm. and celebrating your success. And again, we're not very good at that. I don't think human nature, well, some humans, some humans are very good at that. But a lot of the people I speak to aren't very good at celebrating their successes 
and it gets a bit, oh, yeah, I did that, but, you know, so it was okay. It went okay. I know what we really well. Say it went well. Be proud of yourself. So I think reflect. And businesses change over time and over quite a short period of time sometimes. And we change as we run our businesses and as things happen. So taking those that time to reflect maybe every quarter on where is my business going? Is it still heading in the direction I want it to go? Let me look back, as you just said, over what I've achieved in the last quarter, last six months and be proud of it and actually celebrate the fact that I've However small it is, it doesn't matter. Just the fact you're still going is a great <laughs> achievement in itself. So I think yeah, that, that reflection time is really important. And that celebration time is also is vital to keep motivation, keep motivated and keep going forward. Yeah. Do you ever find that some of your clients or that you have experienced like resent for your business because you haven't been celebrating your wins or your accomplishments or anything? Yeah, and I think it's hard, especially these days, where if we often when we run our own businesses, we're at home, quite often, especially post-COVID, we're at home, we're maybe like we are now, just sort of in whichever room we're in the house. And I do miss, I miss being part of a team. I miss some parts of corporate life, Mm -hmm. um, which is now going back to normal for lots of people. I love, you know, I miss the banter, I miss just being part of something. So if you sit in your kind of bubble, your business bubble on your own, potentially, and you don't give yourself a chance to move outside that. I mean, metaphorically move outside it and look in and take a different perspective on your business and think, wow, this is this is really working. This is going really well. Well, this isn't going so well. So what can I do to change it? Then I think you do start resenting your situation. Um, and I certainly did that probably about a year in. And I was basically bored of my own company because yeah. it can be quite lonely, I think. Bored of my own company, just sort of sitting here feeling quite isolated. And I had to take that sort of step out of the bubble and look in and think, okay, why am I isolated? So that's the first thing. Ask yourself the right questions. And for me, the solution was to find myself many more coaching networks to be part of. So peer, peer-to-peer networks, which I could again, it's, a lot of it's virtual, but at least I could have conversations which weren't coaching clients, which weren't you know sort of business related. They were more, yeah, just support networking. Yeah. So I think it's Resentment is a natural part of running your own business, I think, because it's easy to self-criticize and easy to look at what's going wrong. So I think taking a different perspective, what's going right, what are we proud of? And if something isn't quite working, what can we do to change that? What support do we find? And everyone is there to support us. There are tons of people who want to help us. So it's just, it's just I think, asking for help and not being afraid that you're failing because you're asking for help because you're absolutely not. That's a big one right there. Not being afraid to ask for help and knowing like when you're feeling these feelings to reflect in and be able to make the changes that you need in order to keep your business moving forward and yourself happy. Let's take a turn a little bit and talk more about you're also a mom, correct? Mm-hmm. And tell us what it's like being a mom while raising your family and growing your business. So I think for me, so my kids are a bit older, so 12 and seven. So they are aware of what I'm doing now. They're aware that they might not be aware that I was a stressed, angry mum. That's how I felt before. They would have certainly got the end, you know, the, the raw end of the deal sometimes. But whether they would have put it towards it because mummy's working in a big company, therefore she's feeling stressed, I don't know. But I think now they recognize that I'm not that person anymore. They certainly appreciate I'm around more for them and not just around physically but mentally I'm much more present when I'm with them I'd yeah I think they would notice that I think they would notice that and for me it's a flexibility so I've I've designed a life 
now, which works for me and my family and my husband. So it's not just the kids and the dog. They're all part of the family. They all have their own needs. But I think what's really important is if it's very easy as a working mum to address everybody else's needs because everyone needs us. You know, that's part of our role, obviously. So the kids need us all the time. Spouses, family, partners, whatever, they will need us as we need people. Animals certainly need us <laughs> on a daily basis. But that's very, very easy then to forget ourselves entirely. And we don't really think about what we need. And as that cycle continues, again, when you mentioned self-care, you've mentioned that off, off air, self-care is so important to maintain our own self-care because it's so easy to just get left and forgotten. So I think for me, having my running my own business, again, one of the reflections I do regularly is, am I looking after myself now? Is this business giving me what I thought it would give me? So is it giving me the flexibility I wanted? Is it giving me the ability to be more present? Is it giving me the headspace to think about what I need from work and from life? And at the moment, I would say yes to all those things. But I'll be honest, what it's not giving me is the same salary I was on when I was in corporate. So I did have to compromise on something. And for me, compromising on the income was the right thing to do because I knew it gave me the other areas I needed. So again, it it all comes back to just keep checking in with yourself and keep saying, is the reason why I am a working mum in a different way? Is that still working for me? Is my business and this new setup still giving me what I need as a working parent or not? And if it isn't, why not? And what do I need to change or adapt or, you know, to get it back on the right track? Yeah, that's all really great advice. I know I've got little ones, so it's like a little bit different. Um, my babies are two and going to be one. So oh, yeah, very little. <laughs> they do not grasp like anything. And I feel a lot of guilt sometimes about mm-hmm. not being there for them for bedtime or something, especially when I'm doing an event. I love that your kids are old enough now to like know mommy's working and know that they're having a better life because of what you're creating for them. I'd love to hear a little bit more about anything that you were struggling with, like when you first started your business Mm -hmm. and that time. So I was definitely struggling with that. I said that the isolation was definitely one of the first things. And I think again, as a, as a mom and an employee, especially when you have younger kids or certainly when I had younger kids, I was much more involved with the mums networks and the kind of, you know, baby groups. And I suppose you kind of, maybe it's guilt again, guilt makes you go and do all these things with your kids because you think I better go and do all these clubs and all these groups because otherwise I'm going to be a terrible mum. There's definitely more people around me when the kids were younger, both at work and because they were babies. As they grew up and went to school, there was less, you know, less interaction from the kids' point of view, a few parties and clubs, but certainly not the same level as when they're babies. And then I have my business, which then there's less interaction with people on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. So that was my biggest struggle was just how do I maintain that self-care? How do I maintain that feeling of, well, not that feeling of being isolated? How do I stop that from happening? Um, and again, that comes from structure. It comes from just thinking, how do I need to structure my day as a business owner to make sure I get what I need? And that could be going to the gym, going for a walk, going and working somewhere different. That's a big thing now. So you can go and find somewhere else to work in the gym, in a cafe thing or in a work hub or wherever. So I think for me, understanding that was important, how to deal with the isolation. I suppose the other struggle was actually, again, the kids, yes, they grasped that I was now doing something for me, which they were very excited about. It was very sweet. 
but it also meant because I'm working from home a lot that I'm here mm-hmm. so the boundary between work and home a bit better now but at the beginning it was entirely merged there was no boundary I'd love to hear how you separate it oh, oh if I well, not if I have yet but I'll tell you what I'm trying to do so I think for me again with the kids and I've seen actually on I think it's probably on Instagram some people who've put um posters on their door of their office or their spare room or wherever they're working on the outside of the door and it's things like it's better for older kids not not little ones like you've got but this is the message for the kids answer these five questions before you knock on the door <laughs> working the first question is i'm hungry okay answer go and look in the cupboard <laughs> two my brother's annoying me okay answer is you know whatever it is it's just hilarious so it's trying to it's trying to get your kids to understand what the boundaries are for them because They'll push boundaries, obviously, as far as they can, because they're kids and that's what they're supposed to do. So for me, it was getting them to understand that, yes, I'm here, which is great. I'm not commuting anymore. I'm not in an office and I'm here. But this space, my office space, which is my spare room as well, as lots of us have, but this space is mine. And when the door's closed, the door's closed and I'm working. And you need to respect the fact that for a small amount of time, for an hour, I'll come and check on you in a minute. So they're downstairs now. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so they causing havoc. They're old enough, it's not too bad. But they know that if they come upstairs and the door's closed, that mummy's working. And that was quite important for me to start that boundary setting, just to get everyone involved. I think that's the thing, communication is really important with boundaries. Mm-hmm. And we can't do it again, can't do it by ourselves. So everyone in the household needs to know, for everybody, you know, what, what are everybody's boundaries actually? What does everyone need to respect from the other person? So that was important to get them on the same page as me. The other thing for me definitely was time chunking my day. Mm. So again, very, very easy if we work for ourselves just to get swept up and the whole day disappears, or for me, it disappeared. And I think I'm not quite sure what I've achieved today. I've done, I've done some coaching, but as far as running my business is concerned, I'm not sure what I've done. Have I done enough? Have I, you know, what's happened with the plan? So time chunking for me has worked really well. And I'm obsessed with my Google Calendar. And my Google Calendar is very colourful. So it's got about six different colours in it. So I know if I look at my week, which I do every Monday morning, I look at my week ahead and I can see which slots are for coaching. That's one colour. Which slots are podcast recordings. That's another colour. Which slots are admin time. So accounting or, you know, following up with clients or whatever it is. Which slots are content planning and marketing. And as much as I can, I stick to that every week. It has to flex. I have clients who need me to flex. But generally speaking, I know what I'm doing week on week. I now don't work on a Friday at all, which was quite a big step for me because I thought I should work every day. Mm-hmm. My so I don't work Fridays at all. I take the dog to his dog training in the afternoon, which is good fun. So that's a complete free day. And the rest of the days, I only work nine to three. So that was, again, a boundary set because my kids are here after school, you know, after school, the kids are here and then they're kind of the witching hour and they need feeding and they need all that stuff to happen. So I thought, actually, I'm stressing myself out by trying to work after about four, really, because then they're just downstairs and it's school night and we've got to get stuff ready for the next day. And just putting pressure on me. And I thought that's, I didn't want that for my business. So again, I addressed that. And guess what? The world has not collapsed because I work, finished work at three. <laughs> Working as a solopreneur and struggling to find the time and energy to do it all, especially when trying to grow your audience on all of the platforms. 
I outsource all of my content creation to Mama Media. They have a team of incredibly talented professionals to help me create and produce my podcasts, repurpose them on all the channels like YouTube, social media, and post it according to our schedule on all of the platforms that are best suited for my brand and my businesses. Use my code MOMMYMOVES when you inquire at mamamedia.org for 10% off your service. You can thank me later. That must take a lot of self-discipline on your part also though, like to not be checking your email or I don't know how your clients like contact you if it's like mm-hmm. through a boxer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But to give yourself that hard boundary, I know like for me, I'll even be answering emails at 11 o'clock at night sometimes. And it's like, Alyssa, like that they're sending you an email at this time, they're not expecting a response. Yeah. No, you'll get to it in the morning. It's okay if you look at it, but give yourself the boundary of saying that it's not a standard for you to be responding at these hours or working at that time. Yeah, but it depends what works for you. So, it, you know, so I'll, I'll finish at three. But if once the kids are in bed, if there's not much going on, or if my husband's out or at the gym or something, I might just jump online and do an hour's work, admin stuff. You know, I might do something like that because I'm happy doing that. And I'll yeah. often have a glass of wine in my hand and doing it. And it's enjoyable then. And it's a, it feels like a, a fun part of my business to actually be doing it when I'm in the right headspace, but I'll do it when I feel like I want to do it and that's okay. So if replying to emails at 11 works for you and it's not stressing you out, then fine. You know, again, it's your business. So I think it's understanding where your hard boundaries are and then where those sort of gray areas, where are you prepared to do bits and pieces because actually you enjoy it versus actually, no, that's going to stress me out. I'm going to put a lid on that one entirely. So again, it's all about balance. I love that. Yeah, like right now with the young babies, like late at night seems to be like the sweet spot that I'm actually like most productive. So it's like it's something that I've been like leaning on. And my husband and I like we split and we do he works on his stuff and I work on my stuff from like eight to eleven and then it's like we go to bed. (laughs) But it works like right now for the life season that we're in with the young kids, it's like that's the time that we're able to actually focus. even though we might rather be sleeping or <laughs> <laughs> but like the stage that we're in we feel like we need to and it works um yeah and the kids will get older obviously and when they are older and they're at school and they have homework and they have dinner requirements and they have everything else then you might not be able to do exactly the same slot because they'll you know the kids will be around but then you'll find something else that works for you instead so again it's just about that constant with a business, constant iteration of what's working now. And if it's changed, you will. Okay, that's changed now. The situation's different. What do I need to do to adapt to the new scenario, the new setting? I want to ask you, this is something that I always like to ask our guests when they come on, because I really want to show these moms and mompreneurs that like real life examples of what it's like starting a business, even the crap, like when it is tough and this is like what you had to go through. Yeah. And it, like we see a lot of the highlight reel on Instagram and I want to know, and I would like it if you could share with us, what is mm-hmm. something that you had to overcome in your business, whether it was like a really crazy thing that like probably should have broke you, but you were so strong that you just kept going and you're so proud of yourself for it now. I think the biggest, well, maybe it's two things. I think the first one is just appreciating that it wasn't well, no, hindsight, it wasn't an immediate overnight success on day one. Yes. 
Oh and God. that is the biggest learning now is and I got through it and I didn't, I could have sold, I could have gone back to marketing. There were several times in that first, probably first at least six months, maybe even a year where I could have just said, you know what, this is not working. I'm earning no money. I've got no, all this, you know, this pipeline of clients is just not there. And I thought it would be, mm-hmm. I find marketing myself really hard. I'm a crap coach. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. You know, all of that imposter syndrome. Yeah. And that's, and that's, you know, what am I even thinking? I had a great career. What have I done? Throwing it all away to then start this business, which is not bloody working. I could have gone back to marketing. I could have closed the business down and just gone and got another job back in marketing really easily. So I think the strength in that was just knowing, again, knowing why I'd done it in the first place, knowing exactly why I'd left corporate and why I really wanted to be a coach and why I wanted my business. And I had to keep reminding myself of that and thinking again, and I use something quite often with my clients, which is what if. So rather than saying, but what if it all fails? What if my business doesn't work? What if I have no clients? What if I make no money? Don't think like that. Reverse that or flip it on its head and think, what if this could be the best coaching business the UK has ever seen or the world has ever seen? No, what if I make more money than I was making in marketing? I'm happier as a result because I've got a better business. What if, and this is the biggest one for me, what if I impact working parents every single day and make like their lives better? And it was that, and it gives me goosebumps now when I think about that. Mm-hmm. Is that what if the, the best things could happen? Rather than the obvious, the, def- the default we have is, but what if it doesn't work? What if it does work? What if you keep going and you keep going? What if you ask for help? What if you put everything you've got into it, not money-wise, but mentally? Mm-hmm. And what if you just drive towards this vision you've got for your business? It just, that mindset, that growth mindset, mm-hmm. just for me, it took me over those massive bumps in the road when I was really doubting myself and doubting my business. It was that reminding myself why I'm doing it and having real conviction in my business that just took me through. And I think, again, it, it takes time. It just takes time to build a successful business. And you mentioned earlier, success can come in different ways. It doesn't mean income, it does for some people, but it could be success in the work-life balance you have. It could be success in the money. It could be success in just that you've done something differently and you've made it work and you're you're happy and you're adding value to people. So I think it's just appreciate, keep going, keep going with that conviction of why you started in the first place and appreciate it takes time and it's not overnight and it might take six months, 12 months. I think the UK stat is something about it takes two years and then a business either sort of succeeds or fails, generally speaking. So if you, and two years feels like a long time, but actually it's not in business. Uh, yeah, you're right. It goes so quickly. It goes so quick. So if you can make it to two years, you, you know, you can see the, the light in the tunnel. That's when I found something clicked in my mind, maybe in the way I was approaching it. And the success seemed to sort of become more tangible around that two year mark. Um, and feel like now I feel like my yeah now it's working now I'm okay with it all but but it is hard work but just keep believing in yourself and the reason why you did it in the first place that is so powerful oh my goodness that is incredible I love the way that you frame your what if but I really like we need to talk about this because this is something mm-hmm. that I have suffered with for such a long time is the imposter syndrome and mm-hmm. your mindset is literally going to be the thing that makes or breaks your business. Yeah, And I think that it's so powerful that you just talked about that because as business owners, like, I don't think we originally, like when we start our businesses, we think about the power of the mindset, 
But by framing the way that you think about things or the way that you approach a situation, this is what's going to be the key to your success at the end of the day. And that's definitely been the thing that I've had to work really hard to overcome. And still every day I'm working to overcome it. And it could literally be the thing that closes the doors to your business because you're doubting yourself with the imposter syndrome or comparing yourself or anything. That's really powerful. Wow. I love the way that you frame that what if because I heard something, I think it was on another podcast, and they're like, when you have all these what if scenarios in your head, like put a so in front of your what, and that just minimizes everything that you're experiencing. So it's like, yeah, what if my business fails? It's like, so what if it does? Then you have a backup plan, you can take action to fix it. Yeah, that's a great build up, actually. That's that word. So small word. But really power again, really powerful word to add on. Mm-hmm. I actually brought myself. Um, I was invited to chair a discussion. This is a massive example of imposter syndrome that I had to go through. So back in June, I was asked by John Lewis, a big UK retailer, mm-hmm. to chair a discussion on parental support reform at the House of Commons. Oh gosh. which was just I know really random because of my podcasts. Because I had podcast guests on who then linked me to someone else, and you know the power of the network. And I'd never done anything like that before, ever. And my first reaction was absolutely not. Oh my God, I'm going to, you know, all the imposter syndrome stuff. What if, if what who if I completely embarrass myself? Yeah. Who am I to be doing that? I mean, I'm just me, for God's sake. Not, you know. So what if it all, if I completely embarrass myself? What if I speak too fast? Because I do tend to speak too fast. What if I can't facilitate this discussion? It was a facilitation role rather than an expert role. And everyone's talking over each other and I'm kind of going, oh, in the middle and it's all chaos and it's being live streamed and there are people in the room. I thought, oh my God, it's going to be a complete car crash. So I had to do so much Mm self-coaching around, you know, first of all, this opportunity you do not say no to. Sometimes you you just don't say no to opportunities that come your way because they could open doors that you can't even imagine. So that again is that curiosity and that kind of, I'm just going to see what happens because what if this event could open the doors and make my business just flourish. I mean, you know, what if it's the best thing I ever decide to do? Um, what if I meet people that open doors and expand my network? So all of those sort of things I had to self-coach myself. And after I did it, and it was a success and it went absolutely fine. And all of the all of the worries I had didn't come to fruition. And I had really good feedback, which again is evidence-based. So always look at the feedback you get from people. And people said that was a great event. Thank you so much for doing it. I said, oh, okay. That's good. More. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I bought myself a bracelet, a kind of celebration bracelet for myself. And I had engraved on the inside, what if? Because that was the key thing for me is not what if this is a disaster and I embarrass myself in front of all these people, but what if I do a really good job, I'm really proud of myself and I'm recognized for something that I'm passionate about, which is working parents. And that's exactly what happened. So just reframing that language and reframing that mindset into something positive and something that drives you forward is, I think, as you said, it's it's can make or break a business. Mm-hmm. Oh, that gave me chills. I love that. <laughs> I think that that's a really good place to end it because everyone needs to know what if the idea that they have is actually a major success? What mm-hmm. if they actually are able to live the life of their dreams? What if their family loves them and they're supportive of them and what if like they're able to actually create the life that they have always envisioned for themselves by leaving Absolutely. a full-time job or starting this business or doing whatever they want to do. It's amazing. Yeah, 100%. 
Oh my gosh. So tell everyone, Aisha, where they can find you, what your podcast, all of the things. Okay. So my website is AishaMurray.com. That's A-Y-E-S-H-A-M-U-R-R-A-Y. My podcast is The Parent Equation. So do have a listen. And that is essentially the 60 episodes now. And it is working parents sharing their stories around their working parent journey. So the ups and downs, all different scenarios, solo parenting, people going through IVF, people going through bereavement and moving countries, all kinds of different stories, but all with a working parent angle on it. LinkedIn, Aisha Murray 75 is my normal hangout and Aisha Murray coaching on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. you I can't Thank wait you. to come on your show. It's going to be so Thank fun. You. I know. Yes, exactly. We're doing a, we're doing a two-edge a reciprocal deal, aren't we? So that'd be great to have you on in a couple of weeks too. Oh, I'm so excited. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with or share, plug or anything? I think it's just the, the main things, believe in yourself and ask for help. You don't have to do this. And this is working parents and business owners. You don't have to do this by yourself. You know, we're all here to help each other. I genuinely believe that. We're, you know, people are good, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. So ask for support and you will find it and get people to, you know, push you along, hold you accountable. I love that. That's so true. So good. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening all the way through on the Making Mommy Move show. Make sure to subscribe anywhere that you're listening to podcasts at, and I would really appreciate a kind and honest review of the show. That's how more moms will be able to find our podcast and listen in each week with you. Copy this link, share it with your friends on social media. I will be forever grateful. I'm so happy and proud of you for making the first mommy move by listening to the show. Until next time, I encourage you to keep up the momentum by continuing to make mommy moves along with me. Talk soon.